2445, then open he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and the repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem, ye are witnesses of these things, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Then Acts chapter 1, I'm not going to read all of this, but starting with verse 4, uh, and being assembled together with them, commanded them, they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. And then Acts chapter 2 verse 38 says, and they were all, then Peter said unto them, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promise is unto you to your children, to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now, I don't ever discuss what God has given me to minister before the service, but when I tell you what he said to me, you're going to think that I discussed it and requested what happened here tonight. I was listening, waiting on him, and I heard these words, remember my promises. Remember my promises. You may be seated. God bless you. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning with uh, verse 15. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound or abound to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our for our light affliction. which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. 
For the things which are seen are temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. He said, remember my promises. If you don't have any promises, of course the Bible's full of them that belong to us. But if you don't have any promises, if you don't have any faith for your promises, if you don't have anything to look for beyond what you can see, your ability to survive the temporal is severely limited. The reason is because you have no context for what you're going through. You have no way to put value on the pain of this moment. You have no way to comprehend why you're going through what you're going through. If you have nothing to look for beyond the visible. Yes, I'm limping again. All brand new stuff. Brand new old stuff. <laughs> it's ankles this time. And uh, I think it was you, Brother Middleton. Yeah, asked me, how you doing? Well... That same, he said, just another thorn. And I said, thank God, because there's a lot of revelations. That's why God gave Paul thorns, so he could be saved in spite of the revelations. And if I have to choose, pain-free body versus not receiving the revelations. Or if I have to choose whatever you bring on this body to keep me reminded this isn't about me. I don't deserve this. I didn't earn this. I'm just a vessel. Just a, just a vessel. Just a conduit for what he wants to do beyond the veil. Hallelujah. Praise God. Remember the promises. I'm not going to obviously go as long as I might have if we had not so thoroughly praised and worshipped, which I'm very happy about. But I am going to cover a few points that are really critical here. Romans chapter 4 and verse 1. What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God. 
and it was counted unto him for righteousness. His believing God didn't make him righteous. He didn't earn righteousness because he believed. But his faith in God was made equivalent to righteousness. It was, it was counted for righteousness. The word, uh, the word means to take inventory literally or to estimate or to reckon, to compute. His faith in the promise of God calculated out as righteousness. Why? Because of all the things that you possibly could do that honors God, believing Him for that which appears to be impossible glorifies God. All of your good deeds, all of your good works, all of your efforts to try to do what's right, to keep the rules, those things do not glorify God. They glorify you. But believing God when he said he was going to do something that to the natural mind and the natural eye in the temporal dimension is impossible and yet you believe it anyway. So glorifies God that he considers that the height of righteousness. So what does that make unbelief? Unbelief is unrighteousness. And the problem is this. When you get so bogged down in your day-to-day life, whatever your aches and pains are, and I mean that literally or figuratively, at any particular moment in your life, when you get so bogged down into those things and you can't see beyond them, It's hard to keep going. It's really hard to keep going. Whatever trial you're going through, whatever pain, whatever sorrow, whatever disappointment, whatever difficulty you're going through, whatever you're going through, there's only one preacher in the house, please, and I appreciate being the only one talking. Whatever you're going through. If you don't have faith for something beyond you. Beyond your ability. Beyond that which you can produce. Beyond that which you can come up with any idea or plan how to bring about. If you don't have that. Do you really have righteousness? (laughs) I'm going to go to a verse. I'll be right back to this one, whoever's on the screen. 
Romans 10 and 1 says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a, have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves under the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God cannot be obtained. It cannot be achieved. It can only be submitted to. And since they didn't want to obtain their righteousness by submission, they went about to establish their own righteousness. One they could accomplish by their efforts, their activities, their work. The problem with that is, (laughs) I don't care who you are. There's going to be days when that doesn't work. There are days when that does not work. So Romans uh, 4 and verse 3 again. But what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was accounted counted for him, unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace but of debt. Hello? If your righteousness is obtained by working, It wasn't grace. And it puts God in debt to you. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without work, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven, and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. And he received the sign of circumcision. A seal of the righteousness of faith which he had yet being uncircumcised. That he might be the father of all them that believe. Though they be not circumcised that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. Hang on, I'm getting there. And the father of circumcision to them who are, who are not of the circumcision only, but also of the walk in the, but also, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he had being yet uncircumcised. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of none effect, because the law worketh wrath. For where no law is, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Okay, you ready? And as it is written, I have made thee the father of many nations, 
Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those, those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope. Did he believe in hope or did he believe in hope? It didn't say he believed in hope. He believed in God. But he kept believing in God because he still had hope. Who against hope, when all reason said there's no way, when all intellect concludes this is not possible. But wait, wait, wait a minute. I got a promise that I remember that was made to me. No, 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 no. It can't happen. Forget that promise. It can't happen. Look how impossible it's become. It was impossible when it was said. Now it's even more impossible. No, no, I've got a promise. And I remember his promise. And it doesn't matter what it looks like, what it feels like. He made a promise. And I'm not going to give up the promise. So I'm asking you from the front to the back. Sidewall to the sidewall, or your difficulty is so great, you're, you've given up the promise. You're just surviving. Just going through the motions. Just putting in your time another day, another day. But you don't know what I'm going through. You mean that light affliction, which is but for a moment, that is working for you a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory? You mean that, that you're going through? That particular trial of your faith. That trial of your faith, which is more precious than gold that perisheth, though it be tried by fire. You mean that thing you're going through, that one? But you don't know what it feels like. What does it matter what it feels like? He promised not to put anything more on me greater than I could bear. If I'm not bearing it, it's because I'm bearing it alone. That's the whole message, you see. That is the message. If I can't bear it, I'm bearing it alone. Because he and I can bear anything. And whatever's necessary for me to go through. Whatever's necessary for me to go through. If it perfects my faith, you know, I know this is a carnal example, but, you know, if you're going to build up your muscles, you're going to gain strength, you've got to exercise that muscle to the point of failure. (laughs) You know, it's one of those games that upperclassmen play. They always knew when you got a care package in the mail. That wasn't from the Red Cross either. It would have cookies in it from Mama. (laughs) And brownies. And they always knew. And they knew it was not legal for them to come in and take your stuff out of your box. So they would come in and, uh, and, and, and play games with you. And one of the favorite things to do was, I tell you what, Mr. Wright. 
if you can't hold this pencil out for 30 seconds, I get to eat whatever I want to out of your box. What are you going to do? Say, no, sir. Yes, sir. But he doesn't tell you the preconditioning to that. No. No, he starts out with your M1. That's how long ago it was. And you hold that out till you can't do it anymore. You hold it out till you can't do it anymore. And then he replaces that with two of your heaviest textbooks. And you do that till you can't do it anymore. And he takes it down to one textbook till you can't do it anymore. And he keeps going down, lightening the load till finally you can't even hold your arm up and then he puts the pencil in your hand. Now he has a legal right. You've agreed to the deal. And it may feel like that you've reached a place with your trials you can't hold the pencil up anymore. But that's absolutely necessary if faith is going to grow. If my faith is not tested, if my faith is not stretched, tried, if I don't have situations going on in my life that I have to believe for and it feels like I failed and I try again and it feels like I failed and then the next thing you know without even, without even realizing it all of a sudden it gets easier to go through that next test of faith. But you keep going until after a while you have a strength of faith that's able to see you through anything. Because it's not your strength. It's your built up confidence in Him. And how do you do that? In the midst of your trial, you remember His promises. In the midst of your test, you remember His promises. You might have got in this to be saved, but if you've been around a while, you're not sitting here to be saved. Hello? When you first came to God, it might have been for the purpose of getting saved. But after you've been around a while, that's not the purpose. Oh, I want to be saved. I do too. I do too. But you grow up from that. There's more to it than that. If I just was going to be saved, he should have took me the moment I was saved. He left me here for a purpose. You're here for a reason. When you lose sight of that, you're barely enduring. You're just breathing. You're just uh, doing the opposite of trees. You're taking oxygen and turning it into carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide. And then you just plant yourself next to a tree because he's going to turn that carbon dioxide into oxygen. And you guys just have your little circle thing going on there until one of you dies. Hello? Is that what you're here for? <laughs> Let me tell you something. I get, this, I get these looks nowadays. I get these looks like, uh, in case you haven't noticed, you're not young anymore. A preacher from our district called the other day, wanted me to come do his uh, 
new church building dedication. Great, love to do it. Thank you for the honor of asking me. He said, can you do this date? No, sorry. Can you do this date? No, I'm sorry. Can you do this date? No, I'm sorry. He said, uh, when can you get to it? I, I may be able to get to it in June. He said, well, I heard you were busy, but I didn't know it was this busy. Uh, yeah, it's that busy. And have people look at me like, uh, you didn't get the message, did you? You're old. As long as he doesn't get that message, does it matter? As long as he doesn't come up with that conclusion, now, now, old man, you sit over here and be quiet and breathe till you're done. Why? You know what gets me up in the morning? You know what keeps me going? The promises. That's literally, absolutely, 100% the truth. The promises. It's the promises. I don't, I've said this many times before. I can tell you time and place when God gave me this revelation of truth and this revelation of truth and this revelation of truth. I, I can remember those times and places. Those were momentous events in my life. I was going through some files the other day on my on Dropbox, and I came across transcriptions of the three messages that I uh, of the of the five days of teaching that I did in Massachusetts in July and first of August of nineteen of two thousand and three that concluded with. Him speaking through me stuff that ended up with me being crucified with Christ on the night of August the 1st, 2003. It was like someone had just given me the greatest treasure because, well, I'll tell you, he spoke to me, Brother Ellenberger. I, I got to turn those messages into a book and the title of it is, Words that will lead you to the cross. That's the title or something close to that. Words that will lead you to the cross. Or words that will compel you to the cross. Oh, you don't know how precious. That was so, that was so precious to me. And I was trying to clean up files and arrange stuff so I knew what I had because I've got so much stuff on there. It's just some of it was put in haphazardly. And I thought for a minute I had deleted them. And then I remembered I had Dropbox. And all I had to do was go on Dropbox.com, sign into my account, open up my files, and everything I deleted could be easily restored. That's why I pay for the business. The business Dropbox business because they don't ever dispose of any iteration of any file you've ever had. You may delete it, but they're required because that's the terms of Dropbox business to keep every form that every file you've ever had is in. 
No more computer crashing and losing precious stuff. Was precious to me. Was precious to me. Those weren't those weren't messages of of elation. They were messages that brought me to a place of victory I had never had before. They weren't easy things to teach, and they sure weren't easy to hear. It just really, really, really gets. Disappointing when some people can't ever see what's happened in their life from an eternal perspective. Oh, their mouth says they do, but their attitude says they don't. Their joyless life says they don't. Their lack of motivation says they don't. You don't know what I've gone through. No. You don't know what I've gone through. I'll never forget the first time I was a part of a district board meeting as a district superintendent. I had been, uh, I was at that point 42 years old. I had been a presbyter for 12 years. Just a few months after I was, I turned 30, I was elected a presbyter the first time. And my qualification was I was the only person in the whole section over 30 that wasn't the superintendent or the secretary. I was what was left. So that was my qualification. I got elected on that qualification alone. I was 30. And I'd been presbyter for 12 years and sat in board meeting after board meeting. And you would have never convinced me it was a big deal to move from the side of the table to the end of the table. A matter of potentially no more than three or four feet. You would have never convinced me of that. But I'll never forget that very first board meeting. When I sat there and I was responsible for the leading the business of the district and set, helping to determine the direction of the district. And all those years before, I could sit there. And if I wanted to pay attention, I could. If I didn't want to pay attention, I couldn't. I didn't have to. And that was back before cell phones when everybody's got their face buried in a cell phone or an iPad the whole meeting. That was when if you weren't paying attention, everybody knew you weren't paying attention. Instead of just admitting to everybody, I'm not paying attention, watch me. I would have never believed, you could have never in a million years convinced me it was that big a deal. But the weight of that was just astounding. I come here with my wife. We're young, inexperienced. But the benefit that we had was there was nobody here. So there was no challenge or pressure to preach great sermons right away because she's heard them all. We had we were evangelizing. We'd been evangelizing, preaching five to six, seven times a week from the 1st of January all the way through to September. She'd heard them all. 
There was no pressure to preach a great message. She'd heard every one of them. There was no pressure. And it was like, how do you cook, cook a frog alive in boiling water? You just turn the temperature on the stove up so slow, he doesn't even realize he's being cooked alive. Well, that's what happened. The weight of the job was so slow in its increase, you didn't even realize how much weight you were carrying until on the night right here, before it was a full auditorium, December the 18th, 2005, when I laid hands on brother and sister David Wright, and they became the senior pastors of Antioch, I had no idea how much weight I carried every day. I had no idea. It was just life. It was just the way things were. Until the next week or so, a couple of months, I began to wonder if I was backslidden. Seriously. I'm going, what's wrong with me? What, what, what did I do? What's wrong with me? Because the weight wasn't there. And then I realized what I felt that night with my hand on David's head. I felt the weight of this thing settle on him. And he didn't have any all those years to slowly build up to that weight. You could almost feel him kind of buckle a little bit with it because he wasn't expecting that either. So I'm going to say this to some of you. And I'm not looking for your sympathy. But Paul lists all those things he went through. His back being beaten, left shipwrecked, whatever, stoned and left for dead. And he said, and besides all that, he just lumped all that stuff together. He said, and besides all of that, the care of the church. And there's some of you sitting here, you're so sure. This is no big deal job. Let me tell you something. Ooh, buddy, am I going to make a couple of people upset with me right now? Your trial, your test, your sorrow. It's stupid to compare them. But if Paul compared all of his tragedies and lumped them into one and said, besides all that, the care of the church... Sorry, sorry. <laughs> and I, I, I got rid of that weight. Oh, praise God. The Lord said, do it. I did it. And I don't have the weight anymore. And then he says, oh, you, uh, you, got, you, you breathe for a couple of months. And so now that you've caught your breath, let's do this. And now it's not here where the weight is alone. And the weight here really is still here from an oversight standpoint where the buck stops. But it's all of that out there now that really I'm not going to take the time to describe to you. Why? Why? I'm 73 years old within a matter of a couple of days. Why put myself through that? You ever heard of the promises? 
Why? Why spend more time someplace out of my bed than in my bed? Why spend more time in hotel rooms than in my bed? Why? I'm 73 years old. Why? Why? You ever heard of the promises? The promises. Oh, Brother Wright, that's you. You're this. You're that. The other. That's not me. Really? Well, let me tell you something right now. If the promises are not doing that same thing for you, then you don't have victory. You're just surviving. And if you can't see your your trials, your tests, your afflictions in that context, you say, "But, but, but, Paul, but that uh, uh, that's not true." How about Second Corinthians chapter twelve? Let's start with verse eight, please. I'm going to just read it on the screen. For this thing, I well, let me go. Oh, let's go to six. Thank you, boy. That was quick. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. Seven. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing, I prayed three times for God to take it away from me. And he told me, no, three times. And he ended up telling me, don't ask me anymore. Because I've sent this and given you the grace to make it through that. Because my strength is made perfect in weakness. Hear me right now. If you're not looking beyond the veil, if you're not looking to that which cannot be seen naturally, then you don't understand the importance of this. You can't put life in perspective. I'm not Paul. I'm not you either. No, that's right. You're a child of God. With certain giftings and abilities that God has created and put in you for your place in His plan and purpose. Oh, precious ones, the number of you sitting here tonight that are just surviving. You're just surviving every day, just Paying the bills, just trying to keep the family together, just keep things moving in a positive direction. And all of that's wonderful. But if that is your life, you have no life. Just trying to get a promotion, just trying to get a pay increase, just make a little more money, just maybe get a little better car, move to a place with a little bit more room. Be able to take a couple more vacations a year because I work hard and I'm tired and I need my breaks. Do you understand? I'm standing here talking to you about two completely different worlds, two completely different perspectives on life. The Christians who are just in the survival mode, just going through the motions. 
and those who have their heart set on a hope. Their heart is set on a hope. The promise that he said, which saith ye me, he said, which ye have heard of me. The promise which you've heard of me, I've communicated. He said, remember my promises. What is it that enabled Abraham to live and go through what he went through? He was 75 when he got a promise. Just between me and you. Uh, and a couple of years short of that, the promise was just as impossible at 75 as it was at 100. He was 75, she was 65. If, if they would have had a baby within the next nine months, it would have been a miracle. But that's not how God does stuff. He, he takes your little bit of possibility and grinds it to powder till there's nothing left. So that when he does it, there isn't even the slightest thought that you did it. There isn't even the slightest consideration. You accomplished it. Why? Because he's not sharing his glory with anybody. So, <laughs> you, I, have been called. Called. Do you know how foolish it is <laughs> for anybody to take credit for winning somebody for to God. You know how foolish that is? When we don't even know all the stuff that God's been doing in the background of that person's life. I'm sorry. <laughs> that God's been doing in the background of that person's life for weeks, months, and years. That you didn't have anything to do with whatsoever. Just in the mercy of the grace of God. You just showed up at the right time, at the right place. He give you something to say and you said it. They get saved and you go, Whoa, look what I've done. I did it. I want everybody to see who I won. That's your spiritual IQ. One. I'm not trying to be unkind. It's just truth. Because that one is you. And it's all about you. And you don't even get the picture. <laughs> I can remember. I'm on my way back to uh, school been down in Florida. I'm driving through Atlanta on 85. It's in the middle of the night. And I am beyond tired. And I loved to drive in the middle of the night back then. Because I would push it. Like I wouldn't push it in the daytime. I'm going to push it at night. And I woke up. In the inside lane, 
I can see it as clear as I'm standing here. When I looked up, there was no way possible that my front left front wheel wasn't off that because the, the pavement stopped like this. I could see it. There was no way possible. I was already there. But I didn't drop in a hole. I didn't roll it. I didn't die. Do you know how easy it would have been with that left front wheel dropped in right off that edge of that pavement? I would have rolled. There was a there was a, a, a uh, steel barrier there. Hit that thing. Flip me over. That was before seat belts. And trust me, I wore seat belts in airplanes, but I didn't wear seat belts in cars. That was stupid. Well, I got a lot smarter because I don't ever ride in a car without a seat belt. You don't wear a seat belt, I kill one. Because you're not thinking about your family, you're not thinking about your future, you're not thinking about anything but one. Right. You know how easy it would have been for me to have died that night? People would have been shaking their heads. I had a classmate, his name was Joe Zajcek. He was from Texas, believe it or not. Because whether you know it or not, there are German communities all over central and southern Texas. I mean, they're, na- they're German-named towns with full of German people. So Joe, Joe, Joe Zajcek was in my company for four years. We graduated. One of the first things Joe did was buy himself a motorcycle. About two, three months later, He's running on one of those Texas roads where the speed limits are ridiculously high. Those two lanes roads in Texas, the speed limit's higher than Interstate 97. He didn't make the curve. He died. Four years of that Mickey Mouse he put up with. To die. Pushing it. That could have been me. It could have easily been me. You know why I was driving like that? Because I was trying to set my record for how long it would take me to get from Pensacola to Annapolis nonstop. Oh, that was before all the interstates were finished. Fourteen and a half hours for a thousand miles. You do the math. I was moving. Foolishness. But God in his mercy kept that young man alive because he had a plan, you see. So I'm going to take the credit for something. I'm going to strut my stuff. I'm going to brag about something God's done through me when I shouldn't even be here. Or how about... A dad who served 39 months in the South Pacific World War II that should have never even survived to have come home and begotten me. What are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, I know that life is difficult sometimes. I know it's wearying. I know it is. I know it is. I know it's a challenge. I know most of us don't ever have enough time or money 
or money or time. One or the other. We don't have enough of that. It's always a trial. It's a test. Why? Because your father is trying to convince you that it's not about you. That you can't even do the most basic things by yourself. Why? Because he's got He's got a destination for you in his plan and stuff he wants to do through you. And then when you get to that destination and he starts doing that stuff, you're not going to take the credit. Oh, but let me tell you what the problem is for some of us. He gets us to that place and we won't let him use us because we haven't earned it. Oh, dear one, could I somehow beg you to get victory over that because that right there is one of his favorite things to work on. And the price of getting over that is very painful. It's very painful to finally get victory over not letting him use you because you're not worthy, because you're not good enough, because you don't have a right to tell God who he can use and who he cannot use. I don't I don't want to get puffed up. <laughs> Let me tell you something right now. <laughs> there is one thing I do not worry about with my God. You're not worried about getting puffed up? No, 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 no. There is nobody in the universe better at getting the puff out. There's nobody better at taking the puff out. You know how sometimes you think you want stuff? How much better your life would be if you could get it. And then you get it. And you have to ask yourself, okay... That's now my possession, but who's possessing whom? Am I possessing my possession, or is my possession possessing me? Because possessions demand time you don't have. Possessions demand time you don't have. Oh, and they cost money you don't have either. Well, I got plenty of time and money. <laughs> I, I know the one who is capable of seeing to that not being the case. Well, I'll just work more. Yeah, that's right. You work more so you can make more money to pay for your new possession. And now you're squeezed because you don't have time to do the stuff you was doing that you didn't even calculate you're not going to be able to do anymore. Because you've got to work to pay for your new toy. But look what you got, yeah? You believe what you want to believe, but I'm telling you right now. There's nothing I've got he can't have this second because it's not mine in the first place. Nothing. You don't mean that. Ask her. Ask her if I mean it. 
My problem isn't getting something from God. My problem is trying to talk God out of stuff he's trying to give me. I don't want that. I don't need it. I'm your father. I want you to know. I don't, I don't want that. You understand? I don't want it. So you're, I'm, I'm trying to give and you're not willing to receive? I don't really want it. I don't need it. I wish I had your problem. No, the problem is you're not willing to go through what you got to go through to understand what contentment is. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Some say that gain is godliness. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Does anybody know what contentment is? The absence of want. What do you want? My family loves me. They, they, they want to do something for me, but I'm a really hard guy to buy a present for. Why? What do you want, Dad? Do I have everything I could have? Of course not. Do I have everything I want? More than enough. Well, I, I just, that really, that's, woo, <laughs> some of you really having a problem with that. That's right. Because the difference is, that stuff is just stuff to me. Why? I remember the promises. I've lived my whole life to get to this day. I've said it before. It's true. I've lived my whole life to get to this place. Why? Because the promises come to pass are closer than it's ever been. Romans 4.18 Oh, Jesus, help me. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Being not weak in faith. He considered not his own body now dead. Dead reproductively. He wasn't a corpse. When he was about a hundred years old. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. But was strong in faith. Giving glory to God. Glorifying God Because he had faith, not because the faith had produced yet. And being fully persuaded. (laughs) Oh, Lord, have mercy. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. And being fully persuaded that what the Father said, he was able to bring to pass. Fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. You know the problem with this kind of preaching? For some of you, it just kind of settles on you like, oh, you're putting so much pressure on me, preacher. No, 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 no. You're the one putting pressure on you 
to produce what you in your heart of hearts doesn't, you don't even believe it's possible. Well, but I've got a job. I've got a calling. I've got to produce this. Are you kidding me? I don't have to produce it. I just have to believe it. I don't have to make it happen. I just have to have confidence that he's going to do it. In his time, in his place, his way, he's going to do it. But what if you die and it hadn't happened? These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but believing the promise, even though they died. That's why some of you still look weird at me. Okay, I have a promise. I have a specific word from God that I'm going to live to see the promises of God come to pass at Antioch. I have a specific promise of God. But he said, you will live to see them come to pass, but they will not happen through you. Well, this is only my first time out of four times to get to preach to Antioch all year. I don't think they're going to happen through me. <laughs> Hello? I don't think they're going to happen through me. Preaching four times a year to Antioch. I don't think they're going to happen through me. Thank God. Because we're positioned for him to do what he said he was going to do. Oh, Jesus. I got to, I got to quit here. But before I do, we're reading Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the efforts of the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? You get this? You can't decrease the amount of suffering your father has planned for you. You can only determine what it accomplishes in your life. His plan or destruction of you. What he's planned will edify you. If you don't let it work in you by His grace the way He planned it to, it will destroy you. Well, why would He let it happen to me then? Because <laughs> your faith has got to go through the fire. Do you think, do you know one person who's ever walked out on the truth, whose life got better? Name one. Name one. Regardless of their reasons or their motives. Regardless of what they thought they were going to accomplish. Well, there's so much expectation in that church. There's so much pressure to be this and to do that. I'm going to find me some relief. Yeah. Yes, sir. Relief. You never heard of seven times worse? Because of whatever you were before you got saved, 
when you walk out of the grace of God and out from underneath the blood, it's going to get seven times worse. It's not going to get better. If this is just about a preacher or a church or some religious organization, then okay, you can walk out and get, and things will get better. It's not about coming to church here. It's not about that. It's not about me or one of these three brethren being your pastor. It's about the blood. In the Old Testament, if you needed blood, you brought your own lamb to the sacrifice. In the New Testament, if you want the blood, it's in the body. There's no access to the blood outside the body in the New Testament. I said there's no access to the blood outside the body in the New Testament. You want the blood? You've got to be in fellowship with the body. Oh, you know, it just really, I love it when you challenge me like that. You think I don't have book, chapter, and verse when I make a statement like that? All right, First John chapter 1. I was going to quit, but you've you got to debate with me. Let's debate. You want to argue? I'm here. I don't have anything to do till a week from tomorrow, a Monday. And I get on my next airplane. First John, I'm on now, fast fingers. First John, chapter 1, I was waiting on you. Let's go to verse, uh, not 1-1, one, one. let's go to verse uh, 6. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Next verse. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. So, There's the access to the blood when you're in fellowship with the body. And again, you can fellowship with the body someplace else if it is in fact the body, a part of the body. But you just can't go anyplace just because it's got the word church on a sign out front. I don't care what the organization's called, what the denominations call. It's what's preached in the pulpits, what's in the hearts of the people. And we're going to find that out more and more as the Lord's promise comes to pass because people in churches are going to get saved too fast to change the name. They're not going to have time to get licensed with the UPCI. And some of them aren't going to have time to get all that stuff straightened out that we're used to call straightened out. And you, and you know what that, why the Lord's going to allow that? Because He's going to let that be the test of everybody with the wrong heart and spirit. Because everyone that sees Him letting people be saved that He didn't straighten out right away, that then wants to be like them because God's letting them by with it? Eh. Wrong answer. Oh, no. No, you missed the point. You know the thing about a snare is the animal or the bird caught in it doesn't even know it's there until you step in it. And then when you're upside down, hanging by your legs, you go, you know, that was a trap. 
And God's going to save some so new. But they're going to be a trap for some of you. Because you're going to feel like you got cheated by God. Why couldn't have I gotten saved at the end where I didn't have to do an X, Y, Z? Why did I have to live all those years without doing all that? Oh, yeah. And while you're hanging there upside down, hopefully there'll be something happen in you that will repent. Because to whom much is given, much is required. And every precious day of my whole born life that I have been exposed to the truth is of more value than I can possibly say. I would not trade one of those days for the opportunity to be a flat-out sinner that doesn't know anything about God and has got to somehow understand how to be led of God to the truth. Why do you think it's so important for a church to have balance of people raised around it who are dedicated and people who are brand new and, and it's all, everything's so new and fresh and all that. Because we balance each other out. Nothing changes a house like bringing in a brand, brand new baby into that house. That shakes stuff up where it can't get stale. Oh yeah. Jesus said, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. You know what he's not saying? That newborn babe's going to want to be fed in the middle of the night. They're not going to eat on your schedule. But I'm so tired. Yeah, that just goes with the territory, doesn't it? Oh, Lord. Verse 5. He, he therefore, that ministereth to you the Spirit. This is Galatians chapter 3, verse 5. He, therefore, that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. I know what you are, but I'm Jew. I'm not a Jew. (laughs) I don't know how you're going to go to heaven then. Because the people are going to be saved are children of Abraham by faith. And if you don't want to be a child of Abraham, how are you going to be saved? But I'm this, I'm that, that, the other. That's exactly the problem. Well, I've got my own culture. Yeah, and Jesus has his. Which one are you choosing? Ooh, I get there. I got my culture. Really, I thought all things had passed away for people that are in Christ and all things have become new. And you're still in your old culture? So, it's okay for you to be in your old culture, but you want to assume by this accent I'm doing the same thing. Ah. 
oh, wait a minute, it's not okay for you to be in your old culture. But it's okay for me to hang on to my culture. I feel sorry for you. Of course, what you don't know is it never was my culture. But it's an assumption, you see. I don't talk like this because of where I lived. I talk like this because my parents talked like this. Because of where they lived. Oh, and by the way, it was never their culture either. Things were not said in my home disparagingly about anybody, no matter how different they were from us culturally. That's the way I was raised. It never crossed my mind to come to Annapolis, Maryland and start a church of a single culture. Never crossed my mind. It was not even an issue. Not one time. Whoever the Lord led us to, that's who we want and embrace them and hope they'd embrace us. That's why you're here. Because this is a miracle. Man can't produce this. Laws can't do produce this. Political correct shaming can't produce this. No. Only Jesus can do this. Ye who are not a people are now the people of God. I'm sorry. Galatians 3, 6. Even as Abraham believed God was counting him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith. Preached before the gospel unto Abraham saying. In thee shall all nations be blessed. That's the promise of the father right there. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written cursed is everyone that continueth not in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Why did he hang on a tree? That for this cause, for this reason, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Remember the promise. Remember the promise. I wasn't reading this, but it's a good way to close. Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them, embraced them, confessed them that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. They, They were persuaded of them and they embraced them and they confessed them. That's the progression right there to the victory of living by promises. You hear them, but that's not enough. You say you believe them, but that's not enough. 
persuaded, causes you to embrace them, which causes you to confess, which means I believe what God said is coming to pass. I believe there's a revival coming that is so great that 20% plus of all living human beings are going to get baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost before the rapture. And you say to me, how? Not my problem. How? Not my problem. I'm not called to produce it. I'm not called to explain it. I'm not called to plan it. I'm just called to believe it. And if I believe it, whatever he tells me to do, I will do it. If I believe it. In fact, that's the goal every day. Just to get up, find and know and do the will of God every day. That's what a person with a promise does. You cast your cares. You cast your pain. Brother Ed, have you asked God to heal your ankles that are bothering you so much now? No, no, I'm not asking him to do that. You want to pray for my ankles? That's your problem. It's not going to happen. Why? For whatever season, these are my thorns. You can go ahead and pray them off. He'll just put something else on them. Don't you have faith? Yeah, I got enough faith to trust him that my whole focus is not just getting everything fixed I don't like. That I'm not using my faith just to change stuff that is not pleasing and acceptable to me. This is weird, it really is. It hurts less now than it did when I started. If he takes it, so be it. You know what I'm doing with him? Every day. Whatever the pain is, whatever the problem is, I got I got something going on in my neck now. It's been for years. I can go to see the chiropractor on Wednesday. What? So he can heal it? No, no, he doesn't heal it. He's already worked on it before. Why are you going to him? Why not? You don't think he's going to fix it? Nah. No, I don't really. But I'm going. And a week from Monday, I get to go see the heart doctor. God's got thorns I haven't even thought of yet. What's wrong with you? Nothing's wrong with me. I trust my Father. He can give me what He wants. He can take what He wants. The Lord giveth. The Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm not wasting His time or mine trying to get Him to fix everything that's wrong. Undo everything I don't like. All I want to do is to be positioned in Him. If things get better for a while, that's fine. <laughs> but the moment they get better, I'm looking. Okay, what's next? 
You want me to be saved? You're not going to leave me out here like this. You got something else planned to get my attention. Two kind of people that hear the word that don't make it. Stony ground, seed doesn't get very deep. First, first test of the, the first time their faith and trust in God is in, in the word of God is there. They get offended because of what they've been expected to go through and they bail. But then there's the thorny ground. Stick around a long time. Plant grows. There's wheat on that plant. Everything's looking good. Oh, but there were some weeds in the ground. You know why there's weeds in the ground? Because whoever plowed didn't do a proper job because the, the soil is turned over. All of those roots and seeds would be exposed to the light and they'll die. That's what plowing does. It exposes what's buried in the ground to light and heat so that it will die. So that when the good seeds put in, it'll produce without being choked out. But even some of you here tonight, precious people, I remember how long ago I remember where and how you got saved and what the Lord did in your life. But your fruitfulness has been choked out by cares, love of riches, love of pleasure. It's choked out by this life. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of, and, but of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But the love of the Father endures forever. Oh, don't worry, dear one. You're, you're sitting here. God hadn't given up on you yet. He's still got arrows in his quiver. He's not going to give up on you easy. He'll come at you so many different ways. You'll eventually either bail on him or submit. He cares so much about you. He will get your attention. And you will make a decision. To be restored to fruitfulness or walk away. You will make a decision. Remember the promises. In the midst of your trial, remember the promises. In the midst of your sorrow and pain, remember the promises. In the midst of the challenges of life, remember the promises. When you fail, Remember the promises. That's what will get you up. When you're struggling, remember the promises. That's what will keep you going. When the burdens of this life are so heavy, you can't breathe. Remember the promises and you'll find relief. Because all of this is part of the plan. It's all a part of the plan. Jesus' name, Father, 
I have spoken what you've given me to say. By your grace, I have not added to it or taken away from it. I pray the spirit of faith and discernment upon every individual in this audience tonight, anyone who is watching online or will watch this recording, that you would give them the discernment to recognize that you're talking and not the man. That it's your word and not the words of intellect or ability. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, Father, cause our faith in the promises to rise up. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Hallelujah, hallelujah. Reach over and let's pray one for another. Pray for somebody on both sides of you that's on this platform too. Let's pray for one another. We're not in this alone. We're not in this by ourselves. We're in it together. We're in this together. We're in it together. Bless my brothers and sisters, Father. Bless my brothers and my sisters, Father. Bless my brothers and my sisters, Father. Bless this body, Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Itahala rotalarata bahaya larata bakasiya. Yeki he kalarata haya larata siyata haya. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Imana hase ki he kularata bahaya. Yeki he kalarata. Hallelujah. 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 Everything in me, humanly, human in me, every part of my human nature wants to apologize to you for the time. But I can't. I'm sorry. What a great evening this has been. The presence of God, the move of God, the ministry of the Holy Ghost. What a great evening. It's very, it's very difficult for God to do anything when we put a clock on Him. Very difficult. And considering we only do this once, four times a year, this extra time is really minimal, isn't it? Praise God. I want you to stand and raise your hands. Close your eyes. Open your mouth. And in your own words, give Him thanks for loving you enough to speak to you tonight. For loving you enough to make Himself known to you tonight. 
Give him thanks. Give him thanks. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. God bless your gatherings tomorrow to worship and to praise Him. God bless the fruit of your faith. In Jesus' name. Be safe going home.